Hey guys, it's Giselle from Asian Pop Weekly. You're listening to Everywhere and Nowhere on Indigo. Hi Rainbow, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Could you introduce yourself to our audiences? Hi everyone, uh, my name is Rainbow Chan and I am a musician and visual artist living on Gadigal land, also known as Sydney. Awesome. So I've been a big fan of yours for a while and we know that you have an amazing body of work already, but actually you just released something last year, uh, an album called Stanley, which actually is an ode to the golden era of Mandopop and Cantopop. Um, I have a burning question about the record. Like what or who does the title Stanley actually refer to? Hmm. Yes, I quite like, well, I quite like the name Stanley because it's quite um I don't know it has this kind of old old timey feeling to it and it's a uh-huh. bit sort of uh, it just has this romantic um notion to it I think for me mm-hmm. but it actually refers to a little beach town um in Hong Kong mm-hmm. and um my parents in the 80s Uh, before I was born, they owned a fashion boutique where they would sell like American jeans and sort of like kind of Mm -hmm. Western kind of style clothes. Um, And they would pick up their uh, fabrics and their their clothing wholesale from Stanley because it's sort of like a, like a market town as well. They have a a lot of sort of um, outlets and markets. So I remember going there a little bit later on when I was a kid and just seeing like really kind of liking um, all the souvenirs and all the kind of trinkets in this place. Um, and I think this idea of like souvenirs and ornaments and things that we accumulate over time, that kind of uh, sort of seemingly trivial um, and become like a little bit outdated over time, I felt mm-hmm. like that was a kind a, a nice parallel, a nice metaphor for um, I guess these like old pop songs that um, I've become obsessed with and and they kind of become dated over time, but you you love it for that nostalgic and retro feeling. Oh, wow. Okay, that's like a very interesting connection. And I think um, definitely in your music, you bring out a different side to Hong Kong um, that most people have seen, which is also something that I really love. Um, you just mentioned that you, that nostalgic feeling um, from that golden era of like Mandopop and Cantopop. And I really, really agree because I think nostalgia is such a powerful thing. Um, most people, like that's why people still listen to songs from that golden era until now, even like decades after they've been released. But I feel that um, with Stanley itself, you also put your own spin. Like you basically, to me, you kind of broke down what makes, you know, those mandopop and cantopop ballads so lovable or so um noticeable like what like you broke down broke them down to like their defining features and then built it back up with like your own you know your own sound involved in it so can you share a little bit about like what inspired you to formulate like the concept for stanley mm, oh thanks that's such a nice description i, I feel like um yeah, I guess that's subconsciously what I try to do with everything that I make all the time. I, I love um, like picking out these essences of like influences, but then instead of a straight replica, I always like to 
inject a little bit of my own style or also kind of subvert or challenge some of the um, conventions. So I think with this particular one, Stanley, I mean, I, I was writing it during, um, you know, a lot of lockdowns and isolations with COVID happening, you know. Um, and I think for me, I felt very homesick because I wasn't able to go back to Hong Kong and visit my family. Um, and so I was listening a lot to like Teresa Tang and, and Fei Wong and a lot, a lot of these sort of like divas from my childhood. Yeah. Um, during this time and because clubs weren't open, I felt like I was writing a lot more um, sort of introverted songs that were mm -hmm. for the bedroom almost like right. um, rather than because I think with the previous album I released, Pillar, that was very sort of club oriented. Yeah. More electronic, more dancey. But with this one, I really was writing with a guitar or with a piano and stripping it right back. And, and then building the electronics on top of it. So I think maybe that's why the, that's the deconstructed sound is sort of there because the skeleton was was formed just with the bare minimum and then it was sort of like then building layers over the top of that to, to get it to the finish line. Um, but, yeah, I, I really love the way that um, Mando Pop and Canto Pop have these um, very um, dramatic melodies. I think because, you know, with, with um, Chinese, because it's a tonal language, mm -hmm. the relationship between melody and lyrics is so intricate. You can't just sing anything and put it yeah. to any kind of melody. The way that English, you know, no non-tonal languages, you can be quite acrobatic and do whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but or, or quite monotonic actually and 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 it would be fine but because chinese is naturally such a um has such natural contours um i really loved i guess studying that a little bit and thinking mm -hmm. about these big jumps in the in the melodies and these really dramatic kind of runs because they correlate with the way we speak and then being able to transport that into an english song or english um language song mainly because my, my mandarin and my cantonese is not good enough <laughs> to, to write a full ballad if i could i would mm -hmm. so it's like maybe there's there's a little bit of that kind of deconstruction as well it's like kind of figuring out the the formula but then transporting it to a slightly different context or one that's more reflective of where i am currently you know with with my Definitely. with my my cultural background or my um yeah where, you know how i grew up yeah, well, I actually, I feel that that's like such a huge undertaking and that it was really interesting how you mentioned how um, Mandarin is such a different language to English. I was wondering, like, was it a very smooth process for you? Like when you were deconstructing like those um, Chinese ballads and the melodies and how they were moving, were you able to very like smoothly replicate them in your, when you were writing and like put pen English lyrics to them? Or was it something that was like a little bit, um, like you had to switch your mindset a bit to like make that happen. Yeah, definitely took a bit of trial and error. And I think with this um, album, I actually was almost a bit more disciplined with it because I like created exercises for me to do to try and get better and better at, at it. Um, I wow. think um, so lyrically, I was doing exercises where I would um, think about certain pop cliches like you know words like love or like promise or like dreams and then I had to write 30 other ways of saying that word without mm. using that word mm. and so all a lot of images came up which I think 
um, like in a lot of Chinese pop, there's there's this really strong sense of like romantic imagery, you know, either to do with like nature or flowers or the weather, yeah. or it's like this very romantic feeling. So I, I was trying to um, challenge myself to build up a library of those type of um, metaphors. And then in terms of the, the melodies and stuff, um, yeah, that definitely took me a while because I had to try and find like suitable chord progressions and then even just my singing style I think changed a little bit because with the divas I think when they sing they have a slightly more um pure tone and then a little bit more nasally as well like the way Mm -hmm. they project has a slightly brighter sound yeah so I think with my singing style in this one I was trying to um just push my voice a little bit in a slightly different tone in a slightly Mm -hmm. different kind of um style um yeah so yeah there was a bit of I mean a bit of role playing or something like that as well you know there were certain demos where I really was seeing like like just pretending to be Teresa Tang and then dialing (laughs) back later on to just make it sound like myself and not not completely someone else wow I mean that is a really interesting process and I I love I love hearing about it because I think um it's I think that's when you talk about it, that's probably why like it was very clear to the audience, like anyone who's listening to this and has some semblance of knowledge of like cantopop or mandopop, I think they can very clearly see that link, but they also see like actually there's something different. So like honestly, great job on that. I loved I loved <laughs> seeing that connection because obviously mandopop is something that I'm very, very fond of. Yeah, so um, I also wanted to talk about one of my favorite tracks on the album, Heavy, which was a song you sang when you acted in like, I think it's the Sydney Opera House's production of In the Move for Love. Um, yes. Can you share a little bit about like how you, uh, how you composed this song? Mm. This one started off with one of those exercises where I thought about um, how to say a broken heart in different ways. Mm-hmm. And one of the first images that came to my my head was this neon sign flickering, I think, maybe because I had been thinking about Hong Kong and doing Google images of, you know, what, what old Hong Kong looks like. And, of course, a lot of the signs are now, these neon signs have been dismantled. Um, you know, there's um, a, a really great project by M Plus Museum to actually um, conserve some of these signs and, and add it to their collection. And they've created this really beautiful library of, like, the old designs. So mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that and uh, being a really beautiful metaphor for something that's, um, obsolete and broken um, but has this really tender glow at the same time and mm-hmm. I thought wow that like that to me really actually feels like a freshly broken heart um, wow. so that kind of <laughs> was the springboard for the rest of the song and I just thought about these really specific specific moments in my life where you know you've just been broken up with and what are some of the most um daunting things that run through your head and I, I you know it's just as simple as bumping into someone that you love you can't be with in a place in, a, in the most like mundane place that street you used to walk down all the time you know to the train station or something like that and that that is like the heaviest thing you just can't imagine going through that it's so painful so so yeah that's how that song sort of um unraveled itself um, and it was one that I wrote on the piano. So I think um, it started off very bare bones, very like singer songwritery. And mm-hmm. then I decided to um, 
um, replicate these like uh, bossa nova style type of like beats that I, I love because as a kid I used to have like old Casio keyboards and then you know before I could learn how to play piano properly I, I just pressed the presets and they would yeah. have the accompaniment yeah <laughs> so yeah and and I I love that so I wanted to um, emulate that sort of preset beat um, and just drown it in this sort of tape saturation to, to amp up the retro feeling of it. And then um, uh, another thing I loved doing on heavy was um, a string arrangement. Mm -hmm. So um, at, at the time of writing this, I was also working on a friend's short film score and I had to do all this orchestral orchestral work um, and and loving like the string arrangements, I decided to add it to heavy. And um, yeah, so I think it, it really helps with adding that cinematic sort of dramatic feeling to the song. Awesome. Did, did the song come about because uh, for the for the theatrical performance or did you just write it and then everything happened and then you uh, put it together with that? Yeah, it was really quite uncanny because I'd had I had just written the song, mm -hmm. and then a couple of weeks later, um, my friend approached me to do this production at the Opera House, and ah. they were like, "It's it's for Wong Kar Wai, it's twenty year anniversary for In the Mood for Love." We're thinking of like having this style of music, and I was like, "I I've literally just written <laughs> that song." Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was like. I was really wondering because I felt like it was really it was really suitable for it. Like I was like, did she write this for this production? Yeah. So wow, that's like serendipity. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we were just like everyone was having this sort of nostalgia. Nostalgia. Like 20, 20 year anniversary of the movie, and then like not be able to go back to Hong Kong, and yeah, mm. who knows? But it was like it just felt very serendipitous. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. And I think another thing that you mentioned, because you were saying you're doing um, exercises about how to speak about love, but not necessarily use love. I think that speaks very much to what Canto Pop and like Mando Pop is all about, because like up until probably pretty recently, a lot of the songs are all about love. But I think there have also been some research done saying that it's okay, these ballads, yes, they may on the surface be about love but because of maybe like some tumultuous times that like um you know Chinese people have been through they and just because of how their culture works they prefer to talk like sing about these love songs but really it's like about those unspoken feelings that they can't really express in any other way did that really like play into um when you were composing these songs or was it really more like trying to um, emulate the love in the lyrics of these Chinese songs? Mm. I think it was a bit of both. Maybe like subconsciously I was doing like, uh, yeah, a bit of both. I think yeah. for me, I always try to write from a position of um, my own stories and my own heartbreak. Cause I feel like if I write about something else as the, as, as the starting point, it feels somehow disingenuous. So, mm -hmm. and, and but then afterwards, it's like once I have that foundation down, other things spring from it, which I go, yeah. oh, yeah, actually, that's totally related to this or that. And I think, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of unspoken things. Um, you know, people can read into the songs if they want to. And um, yeah, I, but, but mainly, really, I think a lot of these songs on Stanley is about distance and about um, change and about like lo loss basically loss mm -hmm. and 
and grief and people, you know, I, th I feel like other people have um, experienced the songs in um, different ways, a multitude of ways that I hadn't thought about previously. And um, there's a sort of invitation there for, for the listeners to inject their own kind of memories and feelings. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's also because like the concept of what made you start this project was because you were like missing Hong Kong. So I think that definitely plays into all the emotions on the record as well. Um, I think there was one song on the record, though, which didn't have as much of like an obvious connection to like those love song narratives. Um, so I wanted to know a little bit more about it. Can you tell me more about your song Idols? Hmm. Idols, yeah. Well, Idols is, yeah, this one's a interesting one because I mm -hmm. think for me it was quite, um, it is it's quite personal because there are some really specific anecdotes in there which are actually true and quite intense. But it's kind of mm -hmm. like set in this seemingly like poppy like song. Yeah. Um, so at the time um, I was coming off some um, antidepressants and, and I'm quite open about my mental health. So I have anxiety and so I was like kind of going through this strange time coming off this medication, but then having to, um, feeling like I had to go back on because I was just struggling. Um, and the shame that I felt like, you know, just feeling like I, I failed myself somehow, you know, like I, I couldn't be a normal quote unquote normal person mm -hmm. and I didn't feel very strong but and then I started thinking about um you know the shame that we accumulate over time over our life and all these different things that somehow um eat away at, at us so I, I remembered this um story uh, well not story this memory of when I was in primary school I think I was seven and um we had religious studies even though I went to a public school we, we mm -hmm. had um christian studies and then um you know i'm, I'm totally like um like, like not like anti-religion or anything like that but i'm like very open to all of it but um this religious studies teacher told me that my parents would go to hell because they had buddha like they had a buddha in the house mm -hmm. <laughs> they had idols in the house apparently in his words ah. <laughs> so i was very traumatized by that because i was so young right. and i and you know the way he lectured about Praise it was it. very intense mm. as well because he was like they're, they're gonna go to hell with the murderers and with like all these other horrible people because mm. they have idols and mm. here i am just like looking at this cheerful buddha on the yeah. mantelpiece being like well, i don't understand and yeah. then and then and then from there i just thought about um you know like growing up and this idea of idol um you know for me then kind of translates into kind of ways that i've idolized like bad men <laughs> and then got myself into bad relationships and then it kind of snowboarded from there think, thinking mm -hmm. about all these other ways that we we make supposedly bad decisions mm -hmm. um but um then the converse or the inverse of that is actually when you're confronted with love because at the same time when I was writing the song, I, I met someone that, you know, I think is my soulmate. And then um, the extremes of having all this shame, but then being met with this incredible power of love and the tensions that actually creates. Because people think falling in love is really easy. Yeah, but like, how do you how do you keep it going? How do you actually overcome all this fear and pain and suffering you've had all your life to actually welcome 
love into your life. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, you know, it's, a, it's quite a, um, for me, it's like it was actually really therapeutic to write because it wasn't this very um, simple version of what love is. It's actually mm-hmm. traversing it like an adult and actually thinking about these themes mm-hmm. um, that are quite confronting um, but ultimately, it's, you know, I hope it's a happy ending. <laughs> I hope so too. Well, that is not where I thought that song was going, but it's really great to know. Yeah, I did. Like, I think it's really interesting how you started with the idea of like religion, like faith. And that's where you, that's why you're mentioning idols. I really thought it was more just about like maybe, you know, pop idols or like, you know, men that you've idolized something like that but that's really cool to know um I I also think that I mean as you know because obviously you were in the theatrical production of In the Mood for Love and things like that Hong Kong film and music like it has a very very strong connection to each other which I think it's not as strong in other you know maybe in Taiwan or in China or other other places which I think is really interesting like do you also see this connection and what do you think of it Mm. I think, um, yeah, it's interesting this going back to the idea of this like idols like yeah. in canto pop and and you know and Chinese uh, mandarin pop as well because I think I feel like the industry was very much like let's push this celebrity yeah. <laughs> in all sorts of different assets exactly. so like we'll make them a model we'll make them a dancer we'll make, you know they yeah. really flog them yeah um, and so these celebrities became, you know, full-blown celebrities, like mm-hmm. so idolised and so, um, you know, so saturated in, in terms of like the public psyche. So um, I think like perhaps that's becoming more and more normal now because people, you know, celebrities use like social media and they literally like we, we, we consume them on a daily basis. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also something a bit different about that because it's almost like we, it happens so much now and there's like the barrier between celebrity and, and re- regular people who can also become famous through viral yeah. kind of um, media mm-hmm. is like a little bit blurred. So I think mm-hmm. there is this interesting pocket of time in that kind of 90s, the heyday, you could say, of like Canterbury uh, where the, the, the idol really was like this untouchable exactly. god. Yeah. 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 And I I think that goes back to like distance, like what you were talking about distance as well, because that distance has now been closed. Whereas back then Mm. it was like, these people are considered untouchable because there is this distance, there is this entry barrier. And and why we were so uh, like obsessed with idolizing them is because like we found no other way to get close to them other than, you know, just buying their CDs and like listening on repeat and trying to figure out what they meant and things like that. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's fantasies because of having that Mm. distance, it allows, it allows fantasy to to be cultivated. Whereas now that distance Ah. is, is less. So it's like, it's changing, it's shifting in these other ways, I think, um, which, yeah, how it develops. And that's interesting as well because, like, I mean, you, the the whole album is kind of about like nostalgia and like nostalgia for those old times. And it's interesting how that shows itself in different ways. It's not necessarily just about you know how the melody is constructed, how the lyrics are presented, but also about you know the concept of these divas and how yes. uh, yeah, and everything, the context surrounding them, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, 
Awesome. Um, you also mentioned previously like that this album is like your way of processing, you know, everything that's happened in Hong Kong in the last few years. Um, would you say this is like your way of preser- preserving a side of Hong Kong that you love? Yeah, I think because by turning into wards my very specific childhood memories um you know it's it's it is a way to kind of create a a bubble or a refuge of something that um i can preserve Mm -hmm. um that isn't necessarily like um uh like it's almost like i'm trying to disentangle my sense of hong kong from everything that's happened Mm -hmm. And, and just trying just trying to um, create this fantasy really it's a fantasy because mm-hmm. it's an escape yeah um and um and, and i think um i i think it will be interesting for me to you know how i relate to this this body of work over time um sure. it's sort of an open-ended um book at the moment and i think mm-hmm. um it's cool to see how other people have um related to to it in different ways but i think it's, it's interesting sometimes having something really really specific actually makes it more universal mm. um so even though all these anecdotes and kind of um uh songs are always grounded in these personal stories um i feel like pe- like listeners have been able to relate to it in these other really specific ways to their own life mm-hmm. um, that also resonates with the current kind of situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think that also like is very in line with like, I mean, the pandemic that we're going through and how that, that, that escapism or like that kind of feeling of like, um, I really just don't want to be in this present situation right now. <laughs> um, and yeah, and I, I felt myself thinking that more than I ever have, you know, like, like, I wish like the last two years were just like erased. Sometimes I think that I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that's also really interesting um, how you incorporated that into um, your album as well. And it's very, I think it's very timely. Yeah, in a lot of different ways. Um, I think one of my, I'm coming to the end of my questions, but I also wanted to ask, like, what, do you have a favorite song on the record? Hmm. It's, it changes, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for me, I feel like Heavy was like um, one of those songs that I wrote and I went, oh, I feel good about this one. Like, mm. I just had this kind of gut feeling that I was like, I, I really, I can appreciate the song as a listener, as like my own listener. And that's yeah. sometimes really, really hard, hard as a songwriter mm-hmm. to, to objectively or to, to, yeah, to have a sort of objective experience to mm-hmm. what you write because you're so invested in it and, you, you know, you just kind of um, drown like all the other kind of um, worries and, 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 and um, anxiety around how the song will be received is drowning out any kind of um, objective voice. For sure. But, yeah, but Heavy, I was like, wow, like I, I feel like this song has a sort of timeless quality to it um, and um, it really it re- resonated, I think, with me entirely, like wholly, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and then when that got translated into the Mandarin version by my friends um, and then seeing it in Mandarin, that also then became like sort of my favourite as well. Because uh. it was, 
it was like doing the reverse engineering job yeah. of like I had yeah. written this song with Mandarin yeah. in mind and now finally it's been returned to like yeah. full circle. <laughs> full circle, that's right. And um, so that kind of, that I think also has a really strong, um, you know, strong contender for number one. Mm-hmm. But it honestly, it changes all the time. There are just certain moments when I listen back to the EP and I'm like, yeah, I really like that bit in that song or like so mm-hmm. like in your lane your lane there's that spoken word Cantonese bit where I'm talking yeah. about someone's perfume that I, <laughs> that I love and every time it gets to that I get really excited I'm like oh here it comes <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cute <laughs> it's nice Which, to you know, be excited <laughs> about your own stuff yeah yeah I mean in the past I've been like oh my god that's so egotistical so narcissistic but like I think it's actually this um I think it's actually really beautiful to even to be able to experience joy listening to your own music because there was a, a time where it got so, um, you know, you just when you commodify what you love, your passion, it becomes so complicated and mm-hmm. you can't you can't experience joy <laughs> while agree. listening while making. <laughs> And so when that came back to me, making this record, I actually cried. I was like, oh, my God, like I actually – I'm enjoying this. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know whether that comes through in the actual music, but it was it was a beautiful moment. And I'm proud to say that, that you know, that I can actually enjoy these songs. <laughs> awesome. I think it's also maybe like, because you mentioned it's really a fantasy. So when you see that fantasy, like, you know, not visualized, but like put together in the whole, obviously that's like a really special moment as well. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I have one last question because so this interview is actually going to be like appearing in our like Lunar New Year episode It's going to be I think it was in part it was inspired by like your album because I felt like, oh, this is the vibe that I want for this show. And then I kind of built around that. So um, to end things, would you be able to teach us some like Cantonese New Year greetings? I can't really speak Cantonese. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, we'll, we'll start off easy. We'll start off okay, easy. Okay, okay. Gong hei fat choy. Gong hei fat choy. Okay, right? That's, uh, yeah, gong hei fat choy. Yeah. Gong hei so fat that would be what? Mm. How do you say that? Gong si fat choy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. pretty similar. Okay. Sunlin fai lot. Sunlin fai lot. Yep. Sunlin fai lot. Oh, okay. Happy New Year's. Oh, sing and kwai lot. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Got it. Got and it. And Another, there's another one I really love, which is um, Bo Bo Go Sing. Bo Bo Go Sing. Let me guess. Uh, Bu Bu Gao Sing. Is it? Yeah. Is it that? Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Every step you get as higher and higher. <laughs> I love, I love it. I love the way that it's said in Cantonese. <laughs> it's a lot more um, acrobatic, isn't it? There's a lot yeah. of jumping kind of tones. Yeah. Exactly. And my, my last one, my favorite okay. one is... Long Ma Jing Sun. Long Ma Jing Sun. Mm. Um, Long Ma Jing Sun. Yeah. Right? It's pretty, that one's pretty similar to Mandarin. Yeah. But actually, yeah. I don't think we use that one as much unless it's like the year of the, of the dragon or the year of the horse. Uh. So that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for that. Um, I personally really love Cantonese, like even though I can't speak yet. I don't know why. I just love hearing people say things in Cantonese <laughs> it's really fun it's just like a really like entertaining language yeah and the slang is also really funny as well I think the slang yeah. that keeps coming out 
Well, I can't Very understand creative. it, but I, I I appreciate it as a whole and how it's different to Mandarin because I think it's like super different and super interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, and wait, let me see how I can end this. Um, okay. Um, thank you so much, Rainbow, for your time today. And do you want to um, tell everyone a little bit about where they can find you on social media? Sure. So I'm um, on Instagram. If you look up Chun Yin Rainbow Chan, C-H-U-N-Y-I-N Rainbow Chan, that's my handle. Um, you know, I'm on all the other socials. You can find me there. Um, and also I have a band camp where um, at the moment I've got the Stanley record for purchase. If you want to support it, it's on this um, limited edition cassette tape USB which um, has some secret files on there as well. So yeah, go check it out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rainbow. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, it's Giselle from Asian Pop Weekly. You're listening to Everywhere and Nowhere 